connected here at Calvary by serving on the Connections team. Today's reading is from Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Thanks, Sarah. Well, good morning. Happy name tag Sunday. It's like Christmas when you walk in, isn't it? You're like, everyone's gonna know who I am. They're gonna try to talk to me. Uh, so this is a new thing that we started doing. We did it last month for the first time. And we're gonna try once a month to do these name tags that you saw when you came in because our, our church is growing and we've had a lot of new faces. We've had a lot of visitors. And so one of the things that we wanna intentionally do is take a chance to learn each other's names to know the people who are part of this community here at Calvary Bible Church, the people that we worship alongside, the people that we uh, are in Bible studies with, the people who we're doing these events with. We wanna know each other and be people who are known, okay? And I, I really think that names are important as we'll see in today's message. Names are the first and the easiest step that you can take if you wanna get to know somebody. If you wanna get to know somebody and you don't know them, Names are the first and easiest step that you could take just to get to know somebody. With that being said, my name is Brody Young. I work here at Calvary Bible Church. I get to work with uh, many of our local community partners and local outreach. And I also get to work with our high school and our middle school students. And I'm curious if you've ever had a situation where somebody has come up to you and they've said, Hello, so-and-so, I know you. And you have to say, I don't actually know you. Maybe you've had that moment where somebody comes up and they say your name and your heart sinks because you're like, I don't actually know your name. That's the worst feeling, right? I had something like this happen recently. I was eating at a restaurant in Boulder and I was, I was eating with a couple of friends and somebody came up and they're like, hey, I know you. And I was like, I don't know that you do. <laughs> Right? That's, it's a weird situation to be in. And in today's passage, there's a group of people who are going to come to Jesus. They're going to come and they're going to say, hey, we know you. We know your name. We know who you are. And what he's going to say is, actually, you don't. I know you say you know me. I know you, you claim that you know my name, but you don't really know me at all. We're in a series called Questions Jesus Asked. And as we've been going through this series, we're looking at some of the questions that Jesus uses to teach people in the Gospels. This is a, a way that he frequently teaches people is to ask questions because questions probe the heart. Questions force us to search ourselves for our own motives and actions. Why is it that we do what we do? And what he's, what he's helping us to do and what he's helping his audience to do is to get to the conclusion, but to get there, to find their way there on their own, right? And so when Jesus asks questions, he's forcing us to examine ourselves, to examine our own hearts, our own actions. 
Today we come to a question in Luke 6, 46, that's pretty direct. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And in this question, Jesus is directing his audience to recognize their own faith and to examine it. And specifically, to recognize the difference between a faith that's real, a faith that's authentic and genuine, the real thing, versus a fake faith, a deceptive faith, a faith that's not real at all. And perhaps you know the tension of what it feels like to have a desire for faith, a desire to do what Christ tells us to do, to obey him. And yet, feeling that tension of being tugged back by the desires of the flesh, the desires that are at war in you to live for yourself instead. The kind of tension that's talked about in Galatians 5, 17, when it says the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so what does it mean to build an authentic, genuine faith in our lives? How do we recognize and build that kind of faith? And Jesus is going to tell us, he's going to tell his audience that a genuine faith is marked by a few things. Firstly, it's marked by obedience to Jesus and not just words. Real faith, authentic faith, is displayed by obedience and not just in words. And we see this in how his audience comes up to him. They say, Lord, Lord, we, we know you. And we already said at the beginning with name tags, right, that names are an, an important indicator in how you know a person, right? They're a strong indicator of personal relationship. And that's gonna be even heightened in this passage because we see the double Lord, Lord, which indicates personal, intimate relationship. We see the double name, used several times that scripture. I, I wrote a few of them down to share with you. Genesis 22, 11, an angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham. It says, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. This is as Abraham is about to sacrifice his son and the angel calls out to him, Abraham, Abraham, listen to me. In Exodus 3, 4, God calls out to Moses from the burning bush. He says, Moses, Moses, do not come near. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. 1 Samuel 3.10, the Lord calls to Samuel in the night while he's sleeping. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Jesus speaking to Martha as she's waiting on him serving him. In Luke chapter 10, 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. And then perhaps most famously, Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps our closest equivalent today to this kind of a thing would be to use someone's full name, to use their, their first, their middle, and their last name. My name 
I didn't tell first service this, so you guys are special. My middle name is Faye, Brody Faye. So if I ever hear somebody say Brody Faye, I know one of two things is true. Either I'm in big trouble or it's someone very close to me. Either I'm in big trouble or it's someone very close to me. And even if I am in trouble and they're saying that, they're probably still close to me, right? And so when we see that double name, Lord, Lord, what they're saying is we know you. We have a personal relationship with you. But it's just words. And empty words do not display a real relationship. And we're going to see this in verse 47. If you look at verse 47 with me, it says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Notice the three steps that are mentioned in that verse. Everyone who comes and hears and does. See, a lot of people come to check out Jesus. Every week, millions upon millions of people attend churches to come check out this Jesus. Even in today's passage, we're going to see later on that the audience is a large crowd of people who are coming to check out this Jesus. They come to see him, see what he's like. Many have even heard the words of Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. We like that Jesus. We, we know that Jesus. Culture even knows that part of Jesus. Or even a couple of weeks ago when we talked about do not judge lest ye be judged. We've heard these words of Jesus. And so many come, many hear the words of Jesus, but not everyone actually does what Jesus says. Jesus says, come follow me. Jesus says, you must deny yourself. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, abide in me. Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Real faith knows Jesus. And real faith lives like Jesus. It becomes like him. It actively reflects him in what he does and looks like. A genuine, authentic faith is displayed in obedience, not just in words. And Jesus is going to illustrate this further, like any good carpenter might. He's going to use the example of building houses. And he's going to share the example of two house builders, one who builds a house on a strong foundation and one that builds one without a foundation at all. One who builds a house that's a strong, authentic, real faith, and one that's no faith at all. One which will last, will endure when the trials and the floods come, and one that will come crumbling down because it has no foundation. And here's what he's going to show us, is that a genuine faith is built up by deeply investing in Jesus as the right source. A genuine faith is built by deeply investing in Jesus as the right source. 
And so look at verses 47 and 48 with me. It says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and who laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Notice it says this strong foundation, this, this first house, which is well built, it's dug deep. It's a deep faith. It's an invested faith. Here at Calvary, our mission statement is written over here on the wall. We say that we're building Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to loving God and loving others. That's what we're all about here. And if you were ever to attend a membership class, we dive a little bit deeper into what does this statement mean? What does it mean for us to be these kinds of people who are doing this? Why do we do this? Why do we see this as important? And in those classes, one of the things we talk about is that that word building, the very first word, building, conveys growth. Building conveys growth. In other words, we want to be a people who are growing. We're building towards something. We're invested. We're not just stagnant. We don't just come because it's a social club and we get to eat donuts and then we go home, right? We're building something together. And so the substance of our faith matters because a deep faith is not a shallow faith. That's the goal, to be built up that when we come here, that we would be challenged to grow in our faith, to examine our faith, that we would be encouraged and emboldened to live out that faith so that when we go back home to whatever it is you're gonna do the rest of the day, whatever it is you're gonna do the rest of this week, that you would be empowered to live this way, that you would see this as something that propels you to be sent out into your life, and to grow, and to live like Christ. That weeks from now, months from now, we would look back and we would see the ways we invested and the ways that we grew because we invested. That years from now, we would see the relationships that grew because we invested in the people around us. That's what it means to have a deep building, growing faith. We want to be a deep people. We want to be a people who love God deeply. We want to be a people who study his word deeply. We search his scriptures to know what he has to say deeply. We want to be people who pray deeply and earnestly. We want to be people who give deeply out of the generosity of our time, our energy, our resources. We want to be a people who are known deeply and who know others deeply. And so I think a helpful question for us, a helpful one to come back to from time to time is to ask, what are the ways that I'm intentionally building up my own faith in the faith of others? What is it I'm doing this week, this year, that I'm intentionally investing in building up my faith and the faith of those around me? What are those ways I'm actively doing that, thoughtfully doing that? 
The substance of our faith, how we invest, really matters. But it's not only the substance of our faith that matters, it's also the source of our faith that matters. It's the place that it's invested. Because you can have this tremendous home, but if it's built on sand, it's not going to last very long. And we're gonna see in the rest of this verse, not only that it's dug deeply, but that it's laid on the foundation of the rock. It's laid on Jesus. See, a house can be built from the finest materials. It can have the finest craftsmanship, the best woodworking in the world. It can have the best exterior paint job, the nicest decorations. It can have the best kitchen appliances. But unless the foundation is sturdy, the house will not stand. It won't last. I think Israel's geography actually gives us a little bit of a glimpse into this. This is written to a Jewish audience. And a little bit about Israel is that it's largely desert. It's largely covered by the Negev Desert, so it's a very dry climate. It's not all that different from Colorado in some ways, right? We have a drier climate here in Colorado as well. And what happens in drier climates is when the rain comes, because it's dry, instead of like other places, when the rain comes, there's a lot of vegetation around that absorbs the water into the ground and it feeds those plants, right? But in drier climates, instead of the water being absorbed deeply into the ground, it flows along the surface. And so there's potential for flash floods. There's potential for that water to build up, to become destructive, and has the potential to destroy everything in its path. And so we need a strong foundation that can endure that. We need something sturdy enough to endure that kind of trial, that kind of flood that will come. And so I want to turn your attention one more time to our mission statement to notice what it doesn't say. Notice it doesn't say simply building people. It doesn't say just building people. In other words, we love people who have successful lives. We love people who love their jobs, who are great spouses, who have great families who have hobbies, who are emotionally well and healthy, right? We love those things. We love it when people are flourishing. We just had a series called Flourishing. But we don't just want flourishing. We don't just want to promote human flourishing apart from Christ. Because apart from Christ, there is no true human flourishing. Christ is the foundation and Christ is the center. And so we don't just want to build up, we want to build with Christ. We want to build our relationships around Christ, our jobs around Christ, our school, our hobbies around Christ, because that's a foundation that will last. One author that I enjoy, named Malcolm Gladwell, uh, in one of his books, he tells a story that I think helps illustrate this well. Uh, it's in his book, Blink, and in this, he's interviewing a former army, army lieutenant colonel. 
that's a mouthful, Army Lieutenant Colonel, named Dave Grossman. And Dave Grossman is retired now. Dave Grossman, he writes books about how do soldiers make decisions in the heat of battle. When these forces are, are pressing them down, how do they make good decisions when their lives depend on it? And how do people make decisions in stressful moments? And so he, he interviews Dave Grossman, who says that when our brains experience extreme levels of stress, bad things begin to happen. Our complex motor skills start to break down. Blood is withdrawn from our outer muscle layer and it's concentrated into our core, which can leave us clumsy and with an impaired vision and an impaired ability to make decisions. One of the examples that he goes on to share about that I think is helpful is people's inability to make basic decisions in a moment of crisis. And in particular, the number of times he's seen people unable to dial 911 when they've needed to. This is what he says. Grossman says that everyone should practice dialing 911 for this very reason. Because he's heard of too many situations where in an emergency, people pick up the phone and cannot perform this most basic of functions. With their heart rate soaring and their motor coordination deteriorating, they dial 411 instead of 911 or they forget to press send on their cell phone, or as they look at their phone, they simply cannot pick out the individual numbers at all. And so you must rehearse it, Grossman says, because only if you have rehearsed it will it be there when you need it. What does it look like for us to build up a foundation of faith that's there in every moment? It's there in the moment of crisis. That's there in the moment of temptation, in the moment when you doubt it the most. What does it look like to build up our faith on Jesus? I'd say that to build our faith is to embed Christ deeply into who we are. To build Christ deeply into who we are. In other words, he's not just this thing that we know about. He's not just this thing that we read books about or we listen to podcasts about or we listen to sermons about and we have all this information about who he is, but he is deeply embedded into the souls of who we are as people. When the floods of this world come, what will your foundation be built on? When the trials and the faith crises come, Will you have deeply invested in Jesus as the one source and strong foundation? I really believe this, that at the heart of the Christian faith, if we strip away all of the instruments, strip away all of the band, all of the music, all of the, the preaching, strip away all of the buildings and the events that happen, the Bible studies we take part in, at the heart, of the Christian faith is people who put Christ as the center of their lives. Who put Christ as the center of everything that they do and the foundation that they build everything else upon. That's what it means to have an authentic, real faith is one that's built 
on Jesus and is deeply investing in him. This is the first house which is built with a strong foundation. This is our obedient faith placed in Jesus. But what about this other house? It says that the second house is not built with Christ as the foundation, and so it has no foundation at all. It says this in verse 49. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. There are many things in the world today that look appealing to build our lives upon. There are many things that look good, like that would be a good thing for me to build upon. Success, raising a family, that would be a great thing for me to build my life upon. But ultimately, Christ is the only foundation that lasts. And I think his audience is going to illustrate this well for us about what it looks like to build a foundation that's not really a foundation at all. To think that they have one when they don't really have one at all. So we're in the end of chapter six. If you turn back in your Bibles, back to verse 17, So this is when Jesus begins with this specific audience and he's gonna be with that audience all the way through to the end of the chapter where we are now. And in verses 17 through 19, it says this, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Notice, it's a great crowd. It's people from all over of his disciples and people who just want to come see Jesus because they've heard about him. They've heard he's a great teacher. They've heard that he's really powerful. They've heard that he's able to do these healings. And so they say, let's go see this Jesus. Let's go see these healings, these miracles. Maybe we can even be healed. Maybe we can learn something from this teaching. They know he's a great teacher and that he's powerful and that he's a miracle worker who's healing people. But what they don't know is the heart of Jesus. They say, we know him because we know all this stuff about him. We've seen these things about him. But simply to know a lot about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus. And so their foundation, it's built not on who Jesus is. It's built on what they have seen. It's built on what they desire from him. It's what they say about him. But it's not built on who he is. And so an authentic faith is more than a public identification with Jesus. It's not just words. It's not just identifying with him publicly. 
So what are the things we might be tempted to build on instead of Jesus? I think that public identification piece is actually one of the biggest examples that we see. One of the things we do here at Calvary Bible Church is we baptize people, which I think is one of the most amazing things we do where we have somebody share with the church to share publicly, I identify with Jesus. Jesus has changed me and now I'm walking with him and I'm going to share that by being baptized. But if it becomes, my faith is based on a moment in the past, on something that I said, or a moment where I raised my hand at a conference, and it becomes something that we did, that becomes the foundation of our faith. That won't last. It needs to be built on Jesus. I think this is one of the age-old struggles of Christians. We see it all throughout the book of James and really all throughout the Bible is how do we talk about works and faith? How do we talk about obedience? Because we've already said even today that a genuine faith is marked by obedience to Jesus, right? Like we want to be obedient people who follow Jesus. But how do we do that without making our obedience something that we've done, the foundation that we build our faith upon? A real faith is marked by obedience. But real faith is not earned by obedience. Real faith is marked by obedience, but it is not earned by obedience. And there will always be a temptation to invert those, to build our faith upon my obedience, my own ability, my own giftedness, my own things that I've done in the past, my own family, the number of years I've been involved in a church, the number of hours I've served in a ministry, the amount of knowledge I have about who God is. But anything that's built on us instead of Christ will not last. If I'm looking back this week to go through the laundry list of sins that I committed, or to look at the righteous things that I did as the foundation. And I'm saying, how do I feel in my faith today? Is it built on those things? Or is it built on looking at Christ and saying, oh, he did it. Christ accomplished it. And because of that obedience that Christ demonstrated, because of his perfect obedience, I can be obedient. I can live faithfully. Not based on anything I've done, but on what he has done. Because I can never be obedient enough. But Christ has been perfectly obedient. My faith can never be strong enough, but Christ has been strong enough. So there's no foundation outside of Jesus which lasts, either in this life or in the age to come. As we close, I think we should see Jesus' question that he asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? As two things, I think we should see it firstly as a word of judgment, a word of examination. 
Look at verse 49 again with me. It says, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. My friends, a flood of judgment is coming. When many will say to him, Lord, Lord, I know you. And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because their foundation was built on something else besides Christ. Their faith was built on something else besides Christ, which didn't last. And if you're here today and your foundation is built on anything other than Christ, I wanna tell you that there's nothing more important than this, to turn and to follow him, to build your life upon him, to build your family, your career, everything you do upon who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Jesus' question challenges us that we should examine our own foundation. Will it last? Secondly, I think his question is a word of encouragement. Look again at verse 48 with me. It says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And if your faith is built on Jesus Christ today, you need to know nothing can shake that foundation. When you wonder, is my faith strong enough? Can my faith endure? Maybe you felt that where you hear these stories of, of people having incredible faith in the midst of hard circumstances and you wonder, what could I do in a situation like that? Would my faith endure and last in a situation like that? Is my faith strong? Well, there's no such thing as a weak faith. The Bible doesn't teach that category. If your faith is built on Jesus Christ, on what he has done and who he is, then you have a strong faith that will never be shaken. There's no greater hope than to know that my life is not dependent on my own obedience. How much I know, anything I can do, but it's built on Christ. And so I wanna close with Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, one through three, which I think is an encouraging word to us. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated 
at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. A faith that is built on this. A faith that looks to Jesus cannot be shaken. Not in this life. Not in all eternity. This kind of foundation stands. So let us look to him together this week, this month, this year, as we look to, to grow and to build something together. Let it be something that we do by looking at Christ together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the life of your son, Jesus. That he came, he died, and he rose again that we might be raised with him. And God, it's for that reason that we, we come here today. God, to sing these songs of worship, to study your word together that we might worship you. And God, we come in awe of who you are. God, that's my prayer for us right now is that today we would be encouraged and empowered as we go into our lives to see what you've done and that that would change everything about how we live. That it would change everything about who we are. Lord, that in the moments of trials, when the waves come, when we feel shaken, that we would look to you and we would know that you are a firm foundation and you're worth building upon. And so we praise you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.